Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 275, where David Perret and I chat about our financial imperfections. If you're messing everything up, or if you're messing little things up, like if you're still going towards the goal, if you're still making that progress, that's why I will religiously check my net worth more than I do the budget. Because ultimately, if that is continuing to go up and the cash flow is continuing to go up and the passive income is continuing to go up and all of that's moving in the right direction, if I'm off on my budget a little bit one month, it's not going to be the end of the world. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And joining me today is David Perret from the Military Millionaire Community Cult, where they help service members, veterans, and their families learn how to build wealth through real estate investing, entrepreneurship, and personal finance. Hey, wait a second. That sounds like our mantra. So <laughs> he's kind of a money expert. David and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story because we truly believe that financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. So whether you want to retire early and travel the world or go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business, or just fix your financial imperfections, we will help you reach your goals and get money out of the way so that you can launch yourself towards your dreams. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turned to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. It's Military Appreciation Month, so I'd like to personally thank all our past guests who have served and all our listeners who are serving, deployed, veterans, or in the reserves. But I'm not the only one showing appreciation. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond with exclusive rates, discounts, and tools. This month, join Navy Federal and get $50 when you open a credit card. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions. David and I are going to come clean today. We both have podcasts and websites that talk about money. And while we may seem perfect on the surface, we actually have some of the same money issues that everybody else does. I'm going to let David come clean first. David, what's your problem? Why aren't you perfect? <laughs> 
Yeah, no joke, right? Uh, which problem are we talking about? No, um, <laughs> list them. Uh, budgeting is is boring and tedious. I think that's the problem, right? I am I am not a super detail oriented person, right? My personality is very much the like visionary, big picture. You know, fly by the seat of your pants, jump out of the airplane, and try to catch a parachute on the way down type. And so, budgeting is something that. While I'm really good about, I do my net worth religiously on the first of every month, and I always tell myself that I'm going to do my budget, and I do my net worth. Um, and sometimes I budget. In fact, so I, I have, uh, I do the envelope system, but I will tell you that I have probably not put cash in these in months. Um, so I have envelopes. I don't know that I would actually say that I use that system. So, you know, and this has become kind of real over the last couple of months where I, uh, you know, I, I just realized like, okay, um, some, some expenses are there. There's a little creep there and I need to do, I need to go back and, you know, actually track where the money's going. In fact, today I was going through and doing just that. And I just realized I've been getting charged for the last, you'll love this probably 10 months for 24 hour fitness because they didn't stop my membership. Like I thought they did. And I haven't even lived in that state since May. Ooh. Okay. So let's talk about that. Um, David, <laughs> it's okay. Not everybody is perfect like me, uh, and I'm not even yeah. perfect. I was uh, I was going through near the end of 2021. I was going through my spending, and I'm like, why am I spending so much money? I don't feel like I'm doing anything. And it's the little. It's only a dollar. It's just a little bit. It's the lifestyle creep. Oh, I don't want to make dinner tonight. Let's go out. I have food in the refrigerator, and it takes as much time to start a meal. And finish it and present it to my family as it does to get in the car, go to the restaurant, order the meal, have them prepare it, bring it to you. I mean, I have a restaurant kitchen in my kitchen and I don't even use it. So lifestyle creep is very real. That's going to be my problem that I'm going to talk about in a bit. But let's talk about your budgeting. You've got your envelopes. I do. Do you use cash for a lot of things? We're still kind of in the middle of COVID. And I I mean, I hope we're at the end, but come on. So using cash, somebody else has touched that. It can be kind of gross if you're trying to do this envelope system with cash, but you are always swiping a card. It may not be the best option for you. Yeah, so I don't use cash very much. I wouldn't necessarily say it's because of, of the pandemic so much as just that I downgraded my wallet. I had an old, you know, billfold for years that was much bigger than it needed to be because I was in the military and I had to carry like, you know, not only did I have to carry a driver's license and a credit card, but I had to carry a military ID, a government travel charge card, a, a military driving license because I was an operator. I had to carry, um, you know, a whole bunch of random crap that. So I had this big fat wallet and it drove me nuts. So I got out of the military and I was like, I'm getting something smaller. And I got one of those like little tiny, it's not a money clip, but it's like, it holds four credit cards that you push the button and they shoot out. And if I had it in here, I would show you, uh, but it's, it, it will carry cash, but not super effectively. And so what I was doing was I would like grab money out of the envelope and I'd stick it in my pocket next to the wallet. And then I would sometimes drop it out on the floor and I, it just kind of got to be a pain. So I just slowly stopped using cash nearly as much as I used to. I'd carry like a 20 around. And so, yeah, that was, that's probably why I started moving away from being uh, religious with the budget system. And there's, I know there's a platform, I haven't tested it out yet, but there's a uh, cube. Yeah. They sent me a card. I've never used it, but um, I probably need to 
what I'm actually about to start doing, I think, with a lot of stuff is go kind of more towards the, and we'll talk about this later when we talk more on the business side of finances, but probably move more towards the profit first model for uh, setting up all my bank accounts so that it's, I am more of the type of person where for me, the easiest way to budget is to set, my, set an amount of money I can spend and just know that once that's gone, I'm done and and not have to track everything, but just know that, hey, as long as I stay within this parameter, I'm good. And so I just need to set those boundaries a little bit better for myself. Okay. You mentioned Cube, and I'm going to tell you, I saw them at FinCon, and I was blown away by their ease of use. The guy who was talking to me, I think his name was Kyle. I'm sorry. It was a busy time. Uh, but he, he showed me how it works. And basically, you set up your little cubes of money. It's a digital envelope system. So it's and it's attached to a debit card. You say in the app, I want to put $200 for groceries. And then as you spend your money, it won't let you spend more than $200. If you need to spend more than $200 on groceries, you have to move your money around within the cubes, which is easy to do on the app itself. Um, but what I really liked is the debit card has no money on it. You have to have your app with you and your credit, your debit card, and you say, okay, this purchase that I'm about to make is groceries. So you tap the grocery thing. It takes your entire grocery budget puts it onto your debit card. You swipe the debit card. Hopefully there's enough money in there. If there isn't, it declines the purchase until you move that money into the the cube. And if there is enough money, it subtracts that amount from your grocery budget. And then after you you do the, the app and then puts the rest of it back. So let's say you have $200 and you spent 112 That, well, I should have done easy math. 125 These now you only have 75 back in your cube to spend. So if you go to spend groceries and it's 76, it cancels it out. So it's, I like the app for people who are just starting out, for people who need to really focus on what they're talking about on their money. Um, I don't like it because I'm swiping credit cards for credit card points and it's a debit card right now. So in my position, I need something a little bit different, but for somebody who might not be able to use the credit card because you know you don't want to put money on a credit card that you can't pay off every month. If you're not paying off your credit card every month, this can be a great way to use the digital cash envelope system without having to haul around all this cash. I mean, what's another I, I'm sure one of the downsides to the cash envelope system is, oh, I dropped my cash envelopes and now all my money's gone for the whole month. So I can see why people don't want to do the cash envelope system, but this, this cube thing was really, really fantastic. And then you're not keeping track of anything because you're doing it at the beginning. You're you're setting your budget, and you it, but it's a real-time budget, so you can move money around if, oh, I didn't drive anywhere this month and I ate more than I thought I was going to. So you can kind of... Uh, Said it. That was a, that was kind of an advertisement for Cube, and I don't mean that to to like. I know. You should call them and tell them to sponsor this episode. I know, right? I should because, I, but I just I really like the app because yeah. it was it was so easy to use. It was so, and then it takes the mindset out of, or it takes the the mind space out of your budgeting. Um, so I I tried it when they first launched. And for me, I just, I don't think I put the energy into setting it up correctly, uh, but I really like the idea. And I kind of told myself like, yeah, I'll go back in a year when it's got a little bit more streamlined. 
Um, I might give them a shot. I, I'm the same way. I like credit card points, but I think for my personal budget, it would probably be a little bit better for me to get a little bit more frugal. The other problem with the envelope budget, like the old school, as much as I love it, is you have to remember to grab cash. I mean, the number of times that I left the house and was like, oh, shoot, I forgot to grab. Well, I'll just cheat this time and repay myself, you know, and, and it's. Oh, I'll remember to take that money out. No, you won't. Yeah. Yeah. No. And again, it's not just you. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I hope everybody listening understands that David and I are great friends and I'm just teasing him, but he's doing all the same things that I'm doing too. Oh, I'll just remember. No, you won't. Your life is busy. I mean, you didn't remember to get the cash out of the envelope. You're not going to remember to take it out later. It's just going to be there. So the next time you go and actually do remember to take cash out, you will have forgotten the $27 that you need to take out and put someplace else. You'll just take that money out now. So, And the problem just compounds as you increase your income, right? The more money you're making, the more like, you threat, you set like this mental threshold for, you know, five years ago, if somebody had said, hey, yeah, this is $100 to do that for your business, I would have been like, ooh, $100. Now it's like, okay, pick, you know, and that's, it could be, I mean, that's a good problem to have in one way because it's like, all right, like I know that I have enough in my budget that I can afford to do that. Uh, but it is a bad problem to have because, you know, I mean, I just not to not to talk like raw numbers or anything, but I mean, I just literally just touch of a button on Venmo dumped four thousand nine hundred ninety four dollars to hire hire and train two cold callers, which is in the long run will be a very beneficial uh, investment. But I didn't even think about it from like, a should I buy that this month or next? And, and the reality is I probably should have waited until I closed my next deal and pushed it off until next month. It's not going to break the bank. It's not the end of the world. But that mentality of like being able to just spend the money and, and know that you have a little bit means that you will then spend enough that you're like, I uh, cut a little closer this month. The, I think we, we said it before we started recording. I, I said that uh, the whole mentality of being asset rich and cash poor is a great mentality and I'm all about it. But it is so stressful. To like know that you have money, but not have it liquid because you keep reinvesting it or, or whatever. Um, you know, it, it, I, I lost sleep last night thinking about my budgeting, even though in the long run, I know I'm good and the money that I spent is going to come back. It's, it's still, uh, you know, it's nerve wracking. Yeah. So this is, I want to touch on this for a moment because what I hear people in the bigger pockets forums say all the time is I want to, pay off my mortgage or I want to not pay off any mortgages. I want to have everything leveraged to the hilt. And I am on, I'm not in either camp. I'm in the middle of both of those camps. I believe that a mortgage is a great tool that you can use to leverage your real estate purchases, but you have to be only leveraged as much as you can, as much as it allows you to sleep at night. And right now, it sounds like you might be a little bit too leveraged. So let's look at ways to pull that back in. Is that paying down some of the mortgage? Maybe. Is it buying another property with more money down? I don't know that buying another property is going to be helping you with your leverage issue. Could it be selling a property? Do you have something in your your uh, portfolio that you could just get rid of? So I don't. I guess I should clarify. I don't think the leverage is what makes me not sleep at night so much as the capital in the bank account. Um, so, and I, and I would like to preface this. The reason I'm okay being as a little bit more aggressive on this is that I do have a 
substantial amount sitting in a couple different accounts where if, you know, they're like my, my rip cord. So I have, uh, not that I ever want to touch my 401k, but I've got six figures in my 401k. So like if the world ends, I could pull that and pay, you know, solve any problem. And then I've got probably, you know, I don't know, 10 or 15, 20,000, some, somewhere in there. It kind of, it does this number in, in crypto, which is just gambling. Like it's just bets that I made Thank on you. little things. Thank you for saying that it's just gambling. Sorry. Yeah, I'm not by any means a crypto expert. Um, and I just jumped in. I, I follow what trends. And so if I see something that like people start talking about, I dump some money in. When it jumps, I pull my principal out and leave it. And I've probably got close to probably, probably, probably right now it's probably like 15 grand. So, you know, if, if I really cut things close, I can just pull that. So I have a couple different accounts set up to where if I overstep, I can pull it. And then that's the wake up call to like really cut things down to, to build all that back up. Uh, but I don't like touching any of that. I haven't had to yet, but I do cut it a little close sometimes. So, um, for my specific situation, the answer is that I purchased three properties in the last month. Well, I purchased five in the last month, but three of them um, are properties that I, two, I thought I would have already sold. And I, it's just taken a little longer. One of them is a, a land deal and the guy next door was going to buy it, but he's just been out of town. So we haven't been able to get it all locked up. The other, uh, we had some issues with square footage. So it took longer to get listed than it should have, um, which it's now listed and it, it will be fine. And the third is... A uh, property that had a fire, a grease fire in the kitchen, um, and I'm before I sell it, I'm going to gut the kitchen and get it uh, like the environmental cleaning done to really clean the house out and decide from there whether I want to do the renovation and burr it because it's in a really good location or list it. So the problem is that I dumped twenty five, forty, or fifty thousand dollars in capital on on purchasing these, thinking that at least two of them would sell and come back into the account already. And it just has taken longer than uh, need to be. So, but that puts you in a spot where you're like, I threw all this money out into the world. I know it's going to come back. I hope it comes back a lot faster. And then you get to like, Oh man, maybe I should have waited to pay for, um, well, for example, I'm about to join a, uh, well, go abundance. Um, and I had to sit back and say, well, I'm going to wait until all of this closes because I don't need to spend the money for that right now. Cause I don't, you know, I don't have the capital sitting in the account. So it's kind of a weird spot to be in, but it happens when you don't foresee like, Oh, this might actually take longer than it, I thought to come back. And I shouldn't have spent X until Y came back into the bank account. So, okay. So I, thank you for sharing this story because I think that a lot of people investing in real estate don't share the, I don't want to call them heart attack situations, but definitely the, you know, ooh, that didn't go how I planned it situations that, you know, come up all the time. Real estate is not complicated, but the transactions can be complicated. And you thought you would sell this property really quickly to the neighbor. And then the neighbor's like, see ya, I'm going on a boat or wherever he's at right now. (laughs) So it doesn't mean that the deal is dead. The deal just isn't in that tight little time frame that you were planning on. Um, And that is a great reminder that not everything sells quickly and not every contract is going to get to the completion date and not every contract is going to be a great experience. So it's not done until you sign, they sign, and the money's in your bank account. And so I I think hand in hand with this issue is a business emergency fund 
what, and this is, you know, you don't need to tell me this now. This is a research opportunity for you. For those of us who listen to the Finance Friday episodes, I'm always giving research opportunities to our guests. David, you have a research opportunity. What's the bare minimum you need to run your business every month? $1,000, $10,000. I really like big emergency funds. I like three to six months of emergency funds. And if you've constantly got deals in the pipeline and there's access to other capital, maybe you don't need six months. But I would really like to see you have three months of emergency funds in your business emergency fund account. Because you have access to other funds, um, because you're constantly buying and selling, I think three months is a good plan for you. So your research opportunity is to see how much money you need and then figure out where you're going to save that and sell that dumb crypto. <laughs> yeah, it's probably <laughs> probably probably right at 50 or 60 grand for three months. Okay. So where can you put 50 or 60 grand to just let it simmer? Ooh, that's actually a good question. You know, did you talk to the guys at FinCon about uh, the there were guys at FinCon. I'm trying to think of the name. They created an ETF specifically for like saving for a down payment, and it's designed to track uh, like real estate. Basically, what they did was they realized a lot of people have this problem, which is uh, you know if you're saving for a down payment or saving for your next investment, like where do you store the money? Because you don't want to just put it in a checking account, but you also don't want to throw it into uh, you know. Tesla, and then it has a pullback or or whatever. Um, so you don't want to risk it. So they kind of created an ETF that is supposed to like tries to mirror like the real estate market, um, so that it would be it, it's hedged, so it shouldn't tank, but it has you know fairly stable upside. So nothing crazy, but the idea being like intentionally designed to try to follow. Uh, to try to help you build that. It's a very interesting thought process, uh, and I, I liked it. Um, the answer would probably, for me, should just be sitting in the savings account in the bank yes. um, and just owning the fact that it's okay if I lose a little bit to inflation and interest because ultimately that cushion is good. Yeah, we talked to Chris Hogan a long time ago about um, – saving for your down payment. And he said, your, or no, 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 his was the emergency fund. He said, your, uh, your job is to protect that dollar amount. It isn't to grow it as big as you can. Cause like you said, you could put it into Tesla and Tesla has an amazing day like they're having today, or you could put it into Tesla and all of a sudden electronic cars, all blow up and electric cars all blow up and their stock tanks and they don't have a lot of control over their stock price when outside factors come into play. So it could very well recover in the next day, but it could stay down for a long time. And if you need to buy a house, you had 30,000 and now you go to take it out and it's 12. You're like, oh man, where am I going to get that other 18,000? Well, Good luck if you don't have it sitting around or you need to buy a property and you can't because you don't have the capital in your business reserves. So I would like to – I like how you came up with that number pretty quickly. I would I would say this as well, just so uh, – to reiterate that I'm not as crazy as I might sound with some of this with how close I'm cutting it. Uh, my 
quote unquote emergency fund right now is a $72,000 HELOC. Ooh. And so I, so I have access and I, so I, the controversial, this is controversial. Nobody's going to like this. You're not going to like this. Most people aren't going to like this. The reason I've never had a huge emergency fund is because I have a couple credit cards with massive balances that are like not balances, but massive limits massive is relative, but you know, I have like a card with a $24,000 limit that I don't have a balance on. And so I view it as like, okay, Hey, if something really terrible happens, I can use the credit card for the emergency and then pay that back off. And I know that's the wrong answer because you're paying a lot higher interest. But I also know that when you're kind of in that early stage of growth, having $10,000 sitting in an account that you could invest is, is, and, and, may never touch seems a little bit more daunting when I was trying to grow. So now I'm kind of hitting a point where I'm like, okay, I can probably pull back a little bit and save the money for an actual emergency fund. Um, but as a backup, I was always like, well, if, if things go really bad, I swipe the credit card, solve the problem, pay that back down. And as long as I don't use the card, right, it, it's it, not a great strategy, but it, it works. The HELOC is much better because it's like 3% interest or three and a quarter. So Okay, lots to unpack there. And I'm really <laughs> glad you said, oh, you're not going to like this. You're right. I don't like that. But I don't like that for the person who's listening, who's just getting started, who doesn't have a good personal emergency fund, who doesn't have a 401k to pull from, who doesn't have a $72,000 HELOC, who you know might not even have the $24,000 credit card. When you are investing in properties, when you are creating a business, when you have employees or tenants, you have somebody that relies on your product, your company, your service for their home, for their income, and you owe it to them to provide what you said you were going to provide. So if you have a company and you have employees and you have no emergency fund and also none of these other personal cushions that David has, you need an emergency fund closer to the six months that I was talking about because uh, you never know what's going to happen. If you are a landlord and you bought your first property, maybe it was a house hack and you've moved out to your next property and you're renting this out to somebody, but you don't necessarily have a huge emergency fund, how are you going to get a new roof when it needs a new roof? How are you going to replace the furnace in the middle of winter on the very coldest day, which is the only time that the furnace ever breaks? Right. How are you going to repair the AC in one of the hot states like Arizona or Florida where you're required to provide air conditioning in the property and it's 112 degrees outside? You need to be able to provide these things. I mean, a roof is $15,000 ish. Well, if you want real life experiences, how are you going to clean out the unit when one of your tenants dies oh and doesn't have family oh okay so that was a forty eight hundred dollar bill yeah oh you gotta rent storage unit for three months in hopes that maybe someone comes and picks up their stuff the guy was died for probably two weeks so you got to do environmental hazmat Ooh, cleaning replace flooring repaint everything um you have to wait to cremate i mean it was it was close to uh, if not at about $5,000. And this is on a $500 a month unit. Okay. You know what? This is a really great gross discussion. So $500 a month, how much money are you cash flowing on that every month? 50, 100. Okay. 
So I don't love that property. I hope that it's going to... It's a 10 unit. So overall, it does well. Oh, okay. Was, okay. But, yeah. So that's a really great point. There are people who are like, ooh, my property's cash flowing $100 a month. You just had a $5,000 bill. Yep. At $100 a month, let's do the math because I always screw up the uh, the tens. At $100 a month, 5000 divided by 100 equals... 50 months, okay? And that's divided by 12. That is four years and two months of cash flow gone from that unit because somebody had the audacity to live out the to the end of their life there. That kind of stuff happens all the time in real estate. If you have no way to pay for that, and I'm sure David could have gone in there and done a bunch of stuff himself for less money. And when you don't have a lot of money, typically you have more time. It's like, oh, do I have more time or more money? Um, but still, that there is cost involved yeah. in this scenario and you need to, plus how many months did you have to, how many months of rent did you lose out on that? Two months of rent. So there's another $500. And keep in mind, this is a situation where a gentleman was just, just older, didn't have family and and passed away. And and it was only such a long time because he paid rent and then he passed away like the next week and then it wasn't or two weeks later and it just wasn't noticed because he kept to himself until the next rent was due and my property manager was like, hmm, he always pays on time. Let's go check on him. Yeah, I've actually had it happen on another property too where it was literally within the first week of taking over the property. Uh, it was just some, you know. It is what it is, right? And you would never budget for that when you're thinking, luckily, we had budgeted for some updates to the property, and that wasn't necessarily the capital expenditures we were thinking, but we had some capital ready to move on that, right? But if you're, I mean, I think like my first duplex I house hacked, I had nothing. I had a negative net worth. The only reason I was able to afford the down payment is because of an insurance claim on a motorcycle I was I had totaled. Um, so had something like this happened right away, I mean- who knows what I would have thought about real estate, right? I would have been like, oh my goodness, I don't have $5,000. Yeah. And if you don't have $5,000, you, if you don't have $5,000, you probably scrubbing should not floors be, yourself. I don't know. Yeah. You should probably <laughs> not be investing in real estate right now. You need to invest from a position of financial strength and investing from a position yep. of financial weakness is going to uh, really cause you problems. I had a neighbor who they lived in a very small house. They moved to a larger house down the street from me and they decided they would get into real estate and they were going to rent out their old house. It was a two-bedroom, two-bathroom house. They had lived there for, let's call it six years, and it had just gotten too small for them. They rented it out. Within the first year, they needed a new water heater, which is like $1,000, and a new furnace in the middle of winter right when everybody else is super busy and you can't not have heat in Colorado. And that was, you know, $8,000. They didn't have $9,000 to put into this house. So they had to put it on credit cards. They swiped your, they took your method of paying 27% interest. And as soon as the first year lease was up, they, uh, they non-renewed and they sold it instantly because they could not afford it. And I'm like, wait, now it's got a new furnace. Now it's, Now's not the time to sell it, but they had to pay off those credit cards. They had no way to pay off those credit cards. So um, what they should have done- I think sometimes you- What they should have done is sold the house when they bought the new house. Yeah. I think sometimes people get so 
I don't say emotionally distraught, like financially distraught. Like some, sometimes people put so much money into a property uh, that they will sell it even if it doesn't make sense to sell it anymore, which is like you said, like, well, the furnace, like you already fixed those problems. So if you can hold it, if it cash flows, um, I'm, I'm, I know somebody now who over like, it took like two years, they had a really rough go uh, and they're probably 80 or $90,000 into a duplex. Uh, but now it's at a point where they're trying to sell it. And I'm like, well, just rent it. Like it looks good now. Rent it. All your capex and then re- is refi. They're like, well, we have, we sunk all this. I'm like, just refinance it, you know? Um, but I think like they've kind of gotten to a point where it's like, well, uh, now I'm so just like over this project that I don't even want to touch it anymore. Um, I've been which there. is unfortunate because you're like the right answer, you know, but the right answer financially is not always the answer that you want to go with emotionally. Right. So <gasps> separating those is emotional ties. To money. Wow, that's a whole different story that we can get into on another episode. Yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Remember back on episode 243, the one that was called Ramit Makes Mindy Cry? That is, you know, it's it's tough sometimes to change your mindset about money. And yeah. to, to, you know, just like I've been saving my whole life, now I'm at the point where I can spend, not recklessly. I mean, you can spend all your money. I have no interest in that. But switching over can be just as hard as going from spending, 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 and now you want to save. So it's, it's the shift can be really difficult. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's Military Appreciation Month, so I'd like to personally thank all our past guests who have served and all our listeners who are serving, deployed, veterans, or in the reserves. But I'm not the only one showing appreciation. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond with exclusive rates, discounts, and tools. This month, join Navy Federal and get $50 when you open a credit card. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions. Real estate investing is great. 
But for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers an 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, get paid first. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of the physical asset provide additional security in case of borrower default. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by redirecting your funds from Wall Street to Main Street, supporting local economies, and generating profits simultaneously. This investment is reserved for accredited investors, but if you are not accredited, Pine Financial has options for you too. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com BP. That's pinefinancialgroup.com BP. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. We never finished talking about your budgeting. We just went off on other tangents. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I am going to tell you about my own personal experience with money. Um, I have noticed that my creep has become very real. And uh, I had started, I wanted to start writing down my spending again. And the methods I have tried, multiple methods, I've tried the um, the waffles on Wednesdays spending tracker, the the Google form that you put on your phone, and that's great, but it's also really easy to not remember to do that. And I go back to writing it down with a pen on a piece of paper. I call this the Mindy method because I can, and I made a whole video about it <laughs> with regards to the best way to track your spending starting out, like when you want to make a budget, it's actually called making a budget, how to make a budget, track your spending. It's not even about taking your money and putting it into the different categories. It's about knowing where your money's going. So if you want to watch my video, it's at biggerpockets.com slash Mindy method, M-I-N-D-Y-M-E-T-H-O-D. I'm going to start singing that Hall of Notes song. M-E-T-H-O-D-O-F-L-O-V-E. <laughs> Every time I spell method, I'm like, ah, oh, don't sing that song. But then I just did. Anyway, I digress <laughs> like I always do. Um, but I I want you to start tracking your spending, David. I want you to know where your money's going. And if you're doing that through like that cube thing that we were talking about, if you're doing it in real time, that's 
going to be the most successful. If you like when I, I, in my video, I talk about how I started tracking my spending. I put a notebook, just a plain old spiral notebook on the counter because that's where I entered the house every time I entered the house. So I would, oh, my notebook's here. I have to write down my spending. And it got to be a game like, oh, the first week I'm already halfway down the page. Oh, <clears throat> I need to step back. I need to like stop spending so much money. And then I wanted to get it to one page. And I also added up at the end of at the end of the column. So there's always a running total. And I was like, oh, look, I, I think I spent three thousand dollars a month. And here it is the tenth of the month, and I'm already at twenty five hundred. Um some of that's mortgage and some of that is, you know, big utilities and things like that where I probably can get to the rest of the month with only spending five hundred, but I have I'm gonna have to be really careful about it. So having that in your face where you can't ignore it, where you come in at the same location in your house every single time is going to be super helpful. Um, however, I will give you the option to go to the Waffles on Wednesday spending tracker and make your own Google form. Um, I will include a link to that spending tracker, which is in our show notes at biggerpockets.com slash money show 275. But I'll send you a link to that, David. And um, it's great. I have it on my phone right now. Although I say it's great and then it's not even like here. Um, right here, right at the very top is my spending tracker for my personal and my spending tracker for my house because we're in the middle of renovations on the house. So if I go to Home Depot, I don't want that to come out of my monthly spend. I want that to be in my my uh, working on my house budget. I like it. Um, I will check that out. But yeah, while I have you know, portrayed myself as perfect in every single way, I've let my own budget creep up and my lifestyle creep is so real. And, you know, every day I talk about money all day, every day, budgeting, keeping your spending in track, tracking your spending. And the last couple of years, it's really started to get a little bit higher. And then the last few months of 2021, like I said, it just felt overwhelming. And I have started on January 1st, I started tracking my spending created a budget. I actually did it the end of last year, but I, I put it up on the website. It's biggerpockets.com slash Mindy's budget, M-I-N-D-Y-S-B-U-D-G-E-T. Um, and you can see where I'm, what I'm thinking I'm going to spend and what my actual spending is. And um, that has been really helpful to be so public with my spending to show people that, you know, hey, sometimes you go over and sometimes you go under and it's, it's a uh, living, breathing document. It doesn't, it's not set in stone. It's not written in ink. It's, it's very fluid with how my spending is, but because I'm keeping track of it, because I'm publicly declaring that this is my spending, I'm able to be more like it's, it's in my mind a lot more. It's a good idea. Yeah. So I challenge you to track your spending, David. I challenge you to share it. Ooh. Ooh. Maybe starting in March, you could share your budget. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> I actually, I thought about, um, was it Pat Flynn who used to do like the, he had like a, on his website, he'd do like the passive income and he would show like the numbers his business brought in. And at one point I thought about doing something like that for real estate and like cash flow and stuff. And then I realized like, I don't know, it's just kind of a weird spot to be in because it feels like gloating almost if it's doing well. Right. So it's like, you're being transparent. People look at it kind of, it's still kind of taboo. So I was like, eh, 
Um, but the budgeting thing is decent. I'm in a weird spot now uh, where, and this is part of what I need to figure out. So I just exited active duty. I'm going into the reserves, um, but I haven't received my disability disability rating from the VA yet. Uh, and that will pretty much be my only personal income with exception of the one month a year that I drill or train for the reserves. Um, so I had to change one or two of my LLCs over to S corps and I have to, over the next couple of weeks, I need to get with my, uh, tax and my enrolled agent and discuss, you know, how much am I able to pay myself in a salary? Because I currently, my like personal budget is essentially whatever my wife spends on food because of her job. And I'm just kind of rolling everything in the business, uh, which is great. But, uh, that's only great because I still have money in the checking account for my last few paychecks that I was saving. Um, now I'm like, Ooh, that's right. I need to, I need to figure out how much I'm going to pay myself because otherwise I don't have a personal budget anymore. So, uh, I'm kind of in that weird transition spot, uh, which is exciting, but, uh, you know, I guess we'll see how that goes in a few months when I'm like settled in a little bit into that groove. How long does it take normally to get your disability rating from the military? If you file on time, which I did. It's normally the day that you exit. Uh, however, I had to have like a review on, and not to get super crazy, but I, I have a hearing aid from some stuff and uh, I, I, you've never seen it. No one ever sees it because I only wear it like at work. Um, but uh, I had to get some, some kind of a review done on part of that. And so they're waiting on the results from said review to come back in and yeah. So, okay. uh, and then, yeah, so, and the VA uh, shocker is kind of backed up right now. So I would really like the VA to be on top of taking care of the veterans. Well, so this time is actually a good reason not to sidetrack all of this, but, uh, (laughs) the, from what I understand, Vietnam veterans are finally able to claim agent orange in their medical record and get compensated for it. Um, and so they're backlogged because of the influx of ha- handling all of that, which is awesome. Um, I think that should have been something that was uh, taken care of a long time ago. So uh, I'm totally okay waiting. And luckily, I'm in a financial position where I can wait a little while to figure all that out. You know, if they don't pay me for six months, okay, well, whatever. It'll, it'll, it'll wash out in the end. So Okay. Well, I, you know, I think that's important that you're talking about having other sources of income. I really do like the... The um the multiple streams of income. I like that you're putting all your money from the business back into the business right now to build it. I think that some people who start their businesses will take too much out in the beginning. Oh, I want to make ninety thousand dollars a year. Well, when the company's bringing in ten, that's not going to be an option, and you're just going to yep. suck all the money out of the business and not be able to put it back in because you already spent it. So, not taking any sort of salary at all, not counting on that for a while is great. But then what's the point of having a business if you never make any money from it? So it's this weird, like, it's a weird space that you find yourself in. Yeah, it's, uh, it is, it's very strange. I have six LLCs and a whole hodgepodge of things going on. And, uh, if I'm being honest, it's, uh, almost chaotic to look at it all. And I'm like, I need to find me that that integrator, not not really. I have I have some teams, so I'm I'm working through all that. But I'm I'm definitely having to like streamline my. Uh, we mentioned the profit first. I'm streamlining all my business bank accounts right now, and uh, trying to make that stuff as simple as possible. Because what you realize is you like slowly grow it. Is that when you finally step back and look at it, you're like, wow, I created this like monster. Um, like it does well, but 
you know, thank goodness I hired a bookkeeper because if I was to try to do six LLCs worth of tracking every month, I would, it, I no, wouldn't happen. It would be non-existent. Yeah. I would get to the end of the year and go, oh crap, I have to do taxes. <laughs> so. Okay. Back on episode 249, Gabe Nelson came in and talked about creating your own business and what do solopreneurs and entrepreneurs need to be thinking of. And some of the advice he gave was, what can you get off your plate? What is on your plate right now that you can write out a system for and then give to somebody else? So there's another research opportunity for you, David. Looking at what you're doing, what can you pay somebody a big fee, a nominal fee to do for you? So that you don't have to concentrate on that. You can instead concentrate on other things that help grow your business. Work in your business, not on your business. Or work on your business, not in your business. I always get that messed up. Yeah. <laughs> That's always confusing I'm, to me. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I, <laughs> I do. I have an assistant now. Um, and that's ironically, she and I talk about it because uh, she will have get to the end of the day and go, is there anything else you need? And I'm like, I really should say yes, but I don't have anything on the top of my mind. So like, I'm not keeping her busy enough. Now she's just taken a ton off my plate. It's just a matter of like figuring out those things that are next. And and then you know, not to take this onto the business side, right? But the thing that I'm really struggling with right now on that side is uh, as you talk about scaling and like time-wise is the mentality that like takes me five minutes to upload a podcast. It, it might take me an hour to train her how to upload said podcast. And when I'm in a rush to get a podcast uploaded, I'm like, ooh, I'll put this up instead of, ooh, I'll take an hour and train her so that I never have to do it again. And so, okay, uh, I'm going to stop a, you right there. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm going <laughs> to jump right in and say, okay, she needs stuff to do. You need to get this off your plate. So, okay, what's her name? Rachel. Rachel, I need to upload this podcast. Sit next to me. Write down all of these steps. It's not going to take you an hour to show her how to do it, to write it all down. It's going to take you more than five minutes to show her how to do that because you're going to go step by step. This is my password. This is, you know, all this stuff. But once she takes all these notes for you and asks questions while you are in the process of it, it's going to take like 30 minutes. So that's six podcast weeks that you now have spent training her to do it and she knows how to do it. It's already off your plate. All the things, like Gabe said, go through your email. She can go through your email. Oh, I know this is garbage. I know this is absolutely top notch. I know this, you know, put it into folders. Read this first, read this second. This is garbage. And then you go through and you're like, oh, you know what? It is all garbage. I don't need that. Or hey, this one's not. Put it into this folder. And it's going to take some time. You can't just go from I'm the only person to I'm going to be perfect. It takes time. But every day yep. that you spend that you give her another task to do, that's one less thing that you have to do. And you can focus on whatever it is you do best. Growing mustaches. A beard. A beard. Yeah, a beard too. Feeding your raccoon. Hey, this is like eight days growth. Give me a month. <laughs> This is a lifetime of growth. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I mean it's it's funny because you're right. We talk about this all the time. And we you know, we help people with with finances and budgeting and growing and um but I mean problem the problems are always there, right? It's never it, there's always somebody who looks like they're doing it all great, right? But I mean it's like it's like fitness, right? Like even when you are that 
140-pound shredded dude who looks like you did everything right, like, you still look at pizza and go, hmm, it looks good, right? Like, there's still, there's always a challenge. And so being further along in your business or, or even talking about it online doesn't mean that it's not a struggle anymore. It's not like I just magically like every penny goes into the perfect index fund and I don't spend any of it because that would be dumb. And I live in ramen noodles. Like, I mean, I rented a McLaren the other day <laughs> because I was like, I want to drive a car, but I also used it for a lot of videos and it's, it's actually going to be a marketing expense. But I was, I was fiending itching for some kind of a, you know, fun adventure, adrenaline, whatever. I spent a thousand dollars on a car for one day. Wow. Totally unnecessary expense. Yes. Boy, you know? if you would have asked me, I would have said no. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. that's why I didn't ask you, Mindy. Yeah. But I mean, but like the reality, you know, is like, okay, well, it's cool to be in a spot to do that. Uh, and I'm, you know, ultimately my finances are like, well, you probably shouldn't have done that. You probably, there's, there's better ways to spend money, you know, but it, got to live life a little bit, but it's kind of, it's finding that balance, right? Because that, yeah. that was, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, at the same time, like it could stick to my meal prep better instead of eating out on Saturday with the family, you know, or, or whatever. So it's always, there's always in, in mediation, right? So all that, all that being said, like, it's always uncomfortable to talk about what you're not doing right in finances. I, I try to look at things from the big picture though. And I always try to tell people like, look, if you're, if you're messing everything up or if you're messing little things up, like if you're still going towards the goal, if you're still making that progress, that's why I will religiously check my net worth more than I do the budget. Because ultimately, if that is continuing to go up and the cash flow is continuing to go up and the passive income is continuing to go up and all of that's moving in the right direction, if I'm off on my budget a little bit one month, it's not going to be the end of the world. So that's the way that I try to choose to look at it. So I would tell you, like, find your overarching goal and or metric. And don't worry so much if you miss a little bit in the middle, as long as you're still on the right trajectory. Right. So I don't know. That's kind of my take. Wow. Well, I don't have anything else to add to that. That was that was <laughs> great. And, you know, I do have something else to add. I love that you used the car as a marketing opportunity for your company, because then it's a business expense, but you still get to drive it. It's a legitimate business expense, or maybe not super legitimate business expense. Oh like, yeah, totally with the Honda Civic. Does anybody want to? Ooh, <laughs> he drives a Honda Civic. Wow! Like I don't really. You'd be surprised what you can write off. Um, we we wrote off a four wheeler this year because we have cattle and we have a Schedule F, you know, income. So called my guy and I was like, Hey, uh, I was about to pay for this with my personal card, but, uh, I just realized I have cows and I have a schedule F. Can I buy the four wheeler as a business expense? He was like, yep. Like, oh, sweet. Oh, so, Ooh, take this away from that story. He checked with his guy first. Your guy is your tax um, guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My enrolled agent that I work with. Check with your tax person first before just buying something like, Hey, can I buy this McLaren? No, that's not a business <laughs> expense. You use it for one day. Can I rent one for a day for a photo shoot? Probably. Again, talk to your guy, talk to your girl, but check in with these people that you're you're paying to help you with your business processes. And there's a lot of things you can write off. Um, 
Yeah, I should have just left this with you and your great story. Um, if you're, you said if you're off a little bit on your budget, everything is going up, and you're off a little bit on your budget one month. That's not cause for alarm. Where you can get into problems, where I have certainly got into problems, is where you, oh, I'm off a little bit this month, and then the next month you're off a little bit more and a little bit more, and it becomes a trend where all your income is going up and your budget is going up too, and you're not. You you still think you're spending three thousand, but you're spending four thousand a month or twelve thousand or like whatever your numbers are. If you're not accurate with your numbers, that's when you can really throw your whole self off. And then if you're not keeping track of it, all of a sudden you're like, "Whoa, what happened?" Well, that's you're bouncing checks because you don't have any money because you kept spending too much. And if I didn't check my net worth religiously, I would have no idea. So you have to have some metric whether it's a daily, weekly, monthly budget or a monthly net worth check or, you know, whatever that may be, you, you still have to check something. Uh, I just prefer the net worth tracker because that's just way easier at this point over the budget just because of how many ins and outs there are, right? So I have the bookkeeper and they give me the report at the end of the month and I go through and check all that. Uh, I am going to manually go back to budgeting for a little while and get myself back on track a little bit with my personal spending, but... Uh, you know, on the business net worth just a lot easier when you get to, you know, a lot of real estate, you're like, Oh man, how do I keep tabs on all the equity and all the whatever? Uh, you know, if you were, if I was trying to budget income and expense reports on 102 doors across, you know, also all the other stuff that would just give me a headache, but net worth a little easier to keep tabs on, but it's still a metric. You still have to track something. Yeah. You know, I really like that. Have a metric that you're tracking for me. It's my spending. I want to know what I'm spending because that is so easy to change. I can just not spend money. I've got food in the pantry. I can just go and eat at home and not buy clothes and, you know, calm it down when I'm tracking it. So that's my metric that I check. David checks his net worth. Now he's going to check his spending because I made him and we'll see what happens. Okay, David, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate your time today and I appreciate your... Honesty, I appreciate you letting me uh, boss you around and give you advice, and I love doing that. And I also appreciate you bossy. helping me get back on track as well, because it, it it's really helpful to have these conversations with people. If you would like to have a money conversation, please check out our Facebook group at facebook.groups slash bpmoney. No, facebook.com slash groups slash bpmoney. Life is hard sometimes. <laughs> David, should we get out of here? Absolutely. From episode 275 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is David Perret from the Military Millionaire Group and Cult. And I am Mindy Jensen saying <laughs> Semper Fidelis. Military Appreciation Month, so I'd like to personally thank all our past guests who have served and all our listeners who are serving, deployed, veterans, or in the reserves. But I'm not the only one showing appreciation. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond with exclusive rates, discounts, and tools. This month, join Navy Federal and get $50 when you open a credit card. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate 
to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions.